the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. To love God and to love thy neighbor as thyself seems so simple, doesn't it? But what is easy to say is often hard to do. Love itself seems an easy thing. Often it comes unbidden, so much so that it seems something inevitable. My daughter was born, red and wrinkly, crying and covered in slime, but I loved her instantly. Love was just there. But is it the same love when I say I love pizza? Like the love for my daughter, it just is. Why do I love pizza? I just do. So much so that my wife can't understand why I choose to eat objectively bad pizza like Little Caesars over something that is objectively better like some nice sushi. But bad pizza is still pizza and I love it. It's as simple as that. But love like that is a feeling, a sentiment. Yet when Jesus talks of loving God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, he is getting at a fundamental truth about love that we often overlook. Love is not primarily something we feel. It is not something to be bound, bound to our emotional state. In other words, it is not something we do with the heart only. In the end, love is not something we feel, but something we do. And most importantly, it is a choice we make. Our understanding of love is often limited to mere emotion. We need to expand our understanding of love. A clue is offered by St. Paul in his epistle to the Corinthians when he states, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself as not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. His notion of love upends our often limited view of love as a good feeling. Usually what we call love is merely desire. Don't get me wrong, love as a feeling is wonderful. Feeling love in one's heart is a tremendous gift, both when we feel it and when we express it. But that kind of love is fleeting. The smallest thing can shatter it. To be taken away in that sublime feeling as on a first date, that first flush of romantic love, only for it to be snuffed out when they berate the waiter. Or to be taken away by a piece of music one's heart soars until a false note from the second oboe. Or in worship, kneeling before God, loving him with all your heart, and then suddenly someone coughs, and you're snapped out of your reverie. You become aware of how your knees ache, how hot it is, and how sweaty the guy is next to you. The feeling of love is fleeting and fickle. How else to explain how a guy who looks like that got that girl? Or even more mysteriously, how do we explain the appeal of soccer? Such is the mystery of the emotion of love. It can burn hot and fast. It can smolder and take years to kindle. It can fade in an instant or it can persist through trials and tribulations. It's a reason why songwriters and poets will still be plunging its depths until the end of time. Love as an aspect of the mind, on the other hand, can be much more elusive for us to grasp. How can one love intellectually? But it can be a help to realize that the mind is not reducible to the brain. The brain is part of the mind, but is not synonymous with it. The mind is not confined to the electrochemical processes of the brain. The mind reaches out and can, in a sense, reach beyond its confines of not just space, but of time. The mind is what can look back on memories and loves what has gone before, 
bringing that love into the present. The mind is what reaches out beyond the self and can empathize with others. Through the mind, we can see a child open up presents at Christmas, participate in their delight, and love what we perceive. The mind is what allows us to get a joke or laugh at a pun. Only a creature with a mind can laugh, and only a person with a mind can love with others. The mind can also make decisions. It can choose love. With our minds, we can make the decision to love. We can discipline the heart, taking its desire for pleasure, and guide it into love. The heart wants what the heart wants, but the mind knows what the heart needs. But sometimes the mind can be turned from its proper course of action as the decider, and instead be twisted so that it is used as a servant of the heart's misguided desires. The mind can be used to ratify the heart's fickle nature. The momentary ardor of one's first passion begins to fade. A new face captures our attention. And instead of guiding our heart back to the one to whom we've pledged our troth, the mind comes up with excuses about falling out of love or how we deserve to be happy. The mind should instead realize that these are half-truths designed to induce us to fall prey to our own selfish emotions and to harness them rather than be led by them. Instead, we often allow ourselves to employ our minds as apologists for our hearts. The mind becomes a spokesperson, a publicist, with a clients with a substance abuse problem. But in this case, a substance is one's own selfish desires masquerading as love. Love that emanates from the mind can also be cold and impersonal. The mind is what causes us to love humanity as a concept, but to hate the people we interact with. Love that resides in the mind alone, fights for what it loves, but quickly hates anyone who doesn't agree. Love that resides only in the mind gives place to hatred in the heart. When our hearts and minds are unified, so too is our soul. Our souls are the frameworks in which our mind and bodies reside. Our mind and hearts are shaped by our souls, and our souls in turn are fed and sustained by our minds and bodies. We feed our souls on what our minds and bodies receive and produce. If we indulge in hatred, our souls wither. But if instead we utilize our minds to guide our hearts, loving purely and nobly, our souls grow. As St. John said, we love God because he loved us first. When we open our hearts and minds to him, allow his love to fill us, our souls cannot contain the love that he pours out on us, it is then through God that we can truly start to love with our souls. Love from the souls, the outpouring of the love that God gives us and giving it back to him. This love is not a finite resource. It's infinite, always moving and flowing, more like the light from the sun than water poured out from a bucket. God's love is not something we possess or hold on to. It is something we trust in, something we participate in, God is love, and he loves us whether we return that love or not. And we participate in his unselfish love when we love our neighbors, not requiring nor needing them to return our love, but giving it freely out of the overabundance that we receive from God himself. In the end, to love God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind, and to love thy neighbor as thyself, are the only ways to combat, in the words of today's collect, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But we are still left with our original problem. 
How do we actually do that? Ultimately, it depends on whether we can train our hearts and our minds to love as our souls love. Unlike our hearts and minds, our souls are always oriented towards God. They are always seeking him. And so, so the, our task is, is to turn our hearts and minds away from ourselves and focus them on God and on others. By disregarding ourselves, even in brief fleeting moments, we allow ourselves, our whole selves, to love with God's infinite love without thought or regard for ourselves, without desires directed at self-gratification. We can be vessels that pour out his love, united with our love, a love for him and all those to whom we come in contact with. That is also, also easier said than done. Again, we must turn to the mind to harness our will, to disregard the self so that we can love unselfishly. We have to choose the attempt, trying in fits and starts to empty our thoughts of I and me and towards the you of our fellow man and of God. For in that space, in the act of loving, we are continually renewed and recreated by his love, a love on which hangs all the law and the prophets. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.